John Wright. BBC this time of night we like to share with you uh, a monologue these are all courtesy of ink which supports new writing for the stage and radio across the region uh, they have their annual ink festival based at Halesworth. if you go to inkfestival.org you can see what they're after for next year's festival uh, and other opportunities for getting your work shared uh, open on the website at the moment uh, tonight's uh, monologue for you uh, is written and performed by justin morosa it's called no more piss in the lifts as I drive through my old stomping ground, the changes hit me. The foxons on the corner indicates we've run out of time. Even the chicken shops look out of place as another vegan spot appears. We're still sleeping. I look at the boys in the black hoodies, white, black and Asian, and I wonder if they realise. When I was growing up around here, everyone talked about murder mile. But will this new phenomenon kill the next generation? My stomach starts to growl as I park up. All the stars started to pop up on one block. As I look up at each window, I remember the constellation of dreams. Diverted calls to shine on the school sports team. We starred outside of the curriculum. As I try to close my door on the memories, a kid called Ace approaches me. Ace had a man around the house, but never had a dad. At best, my dad traded my dreams in by telling me to get a trade. He neither nurtured me or left me to nature. I have a snapshot in my memory of my father. Sat on a broken stool with broken tears. I'd watched my father as he struggled to pay the tooth fairy. I watched Ace with his broken smile as he dreamed. Now my father understand more. I miss all the important things because I'm doing important things and at times I'm not loving. At times we put on bright smiles, none of the lights could go off. Everyone around here is displaced. We're saving to visit Grandma at Christmas. She's sick in Jamaica in a six-bedroom house. We visit but we'll never live there. We'd rather be here because we think they don't accept us. I walk into our corner shop and pay 20p extra for some custard. The man behind the counter would tell Ace only three allowed in the shop. We show loyalty to him even though he was never loyal to us, but the war on terror is bigger than us. It's nice around here now. There's no more piss in the lifts. I turn right and you can smell the rice and peas travelling on the landing. If you close your eyes, you could taste the chicken and coleslaw. I catch myself as Ace looks back at me like some hero. I wonder what else I'd tell my 10-year-old self. No more piss in the lifts, written and performed by Justin Moroso. He joins me on the line this evening. Hi, Justin. Hey, good evening. Hi, everyone. Uh, that was a fantastic piece. Um, uh, so much in there to to unpack. Um, I mean, that, that, that line, uh, watch my father struggle to pay the tooth fairy. Yeah. Um, working class background, obviously... Mum, a strong presence in the house, but maybe not getting the same support from my dad, even though he's around. So I think that's kind of uh, looking at that. Not necessarily my life story, but I just uh, created a depiction of um, generations just be a man in a community. Uh, In in the real world, uh, are you a father now? Yeah, I'm a father now, actually, yeah. Because uh, that is a uh, a very defining moment and makes you reevaluate you know, how you were as a child, how your parents were, um, uh, and yeah, it's it's an interesting time. Have you um, presumably that that moment spurred on writing this kind of thing? Maybe. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, my, the, uh, just the journey of being a father is different than maybe as my father had um, just being able to say I love you having a community having a different type of communication a bit more uh, making sure 
you're not talking to your child or talking down to your child, but you're actually trying to nurture them, but also you've also got to lead them to nature. So creating a balance and especially um, being a black father, I think sometimes you have to navigate your child differently. So, yeah. What what do you mean by by that? What what ex- examples of, of of I don't know that you 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 see your I don't know your your duty or your your role to well, I guess you you have to reinforce them for the real world whether you agree with with what happens or not. Yeah, I think um, I, I was fortunate in my childhood because I had a very diverse upbringing. But obviously, um, you know, you go through different challenges as a young black male growing up in London or growing up in England, as it were. Um, not all the time, but maybe just little microaggressions or um, uh, of, uh, slight institutional racism. So it, sometimes you've got to try to make your children and have those conversations earlier than you'd want to, um, whether it be getting stopped by the police or things that happen to them on a, on a daily basis that it, some people probably wouldn't even have to acknowledge um, from other cultures. So yeah, yeah, and 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 trying to explain the difference between what you what you would like to happen and and the way the world should be, and how yeah. you need to deal with the world as it is because it's not worth aggravating this situation or how you avoid mm-hmm. that situation, and and, yeah. and and that's hard, isn't it? Because by by saying in in one sense this is how you should behave, you, you're kind of accepting that that. You know the the normal, like you say, of, of of ingrained racism in all the many many ways that that presents itself in our culture, is is there to stay at least for their their immediate lifetime. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, it, it's not necessarily. Um, everyone has their own experience. So I'm not gonna, and he will have his own experience, um, and my children have their own experience. So uh, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to push my my experience on them, but it's kind of the, the feel or need to kind of just just be making them aware of who they are in society and just um, if they come up against any obstacles, just preparing them for mentally. Um, just looking at your, your bio here, uh, uh, sci-fi, the, the, the 48-hour film challenge, just explain <laughs> uh, uh, about that. Uh, that was one of my best moments. We um, had to do pre-production, post-production, Sorry, pre-production, production, and post-production within 48 hours, and um, it was a challenge. We we came up um, against loads of competitors, and we came top 10 in 2005 as my team, and then we won it in 2016. An alumni is Gareth Edwards, who went on to do Monsters through the competition, and then went on to do Row One actually. So. Um, you've got lots of people making some great films within 48 hours with different skill sets coming together. It's really powerful because you can show you can make something out of nothing and you can, um, as a team, if you all put your energies into the right thing, you can actually create something. So I worked with some great people, Stuart Black, Nick Mather, Alice Henley, uh, Adam Lannan, all different people during that competition. And so it was great, great experience. Um, just by coincidence, last night I introduced my big son is twelve years old, um, mm-hmm. and we started watching uh, the first bit of District Nine. 
um, oh, okay. the, the, the sci-fi mm-hmm. film uh, set in Johannesburg. Um, for those mm-hmm. who who don't know it, there's there's aliens have come down, but basically they're put in a in a ghetto, and the the film revolves around trying to move them and the idea of rights of the aliens and and all the interplay. It's a it's a very very clever film as well as being you know a, a film all about aliens and and some sometimes sci-fi is is written off um, before people actually listen to what they're saying. Yeah, sci-fi I think is great. It's got some great messages, and I think. I, I grew up on sci-fi, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek. I'm sure my age probably, <laughs> but um, the original series, and I, I love all of them. Um, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I think that's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, and I think you can. It's great because you can you can talk about reality and talk about issues, but you can also have the escapism with it, which is really great. I think. Um, yeah. What are you writing now? What's on your your notepad? On my notepad, I've just written something that looks at a couple in the 1960s coming to Britain from Jamaica. Um, I'm collaborating with some other people that I can't talk about what I'm doing, but um, I'm actually going to be doing a sci-fi film um, that starts shooting in October called uh, Universes Apart. I'm just doing loads of different things art-wise. Um, um, I've actually been creating radio um, features for a local radio station, and it's been really fun because we've been looking at um, an organisation called Carabeats that was distributing food in a community during COVID lockdown, and that was really a cool documentary doc that I actually got to cover. So, just trying to apply my create different skill sets myself and found different skill sets during COVID really that I've never really done before. So this is a great opportunity from Inc. Um, I was supposed to be doing a festival for the Inc. Festival this year. We never got to do it. So this is a great way of just expressing yourself. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity Inc. have given me. Superb. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Keep on writing. Uh, Great to hear your piece, uh, No More Piss in the Lifts, written and performed by Justin Morosa. If you go to inkfestival.org, you can find out more and see some of the other one-minute monologues which have been put up on their YouTube channel.